2: Hello and welcome to the Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people about their lives, their careers and those difficult moments. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips and with me is Jim Daly.
3: Hello, hello. That is a that is a very nice new intro. That's, that's lovely. <laughs> very smooth. <laughs> it only took about
2: three or four takes to get it right. <laughs> I like it. It's good. Well, I think do it I just have to do broadens that now it from, a little bit. From,
3: it does. Do I have to mm. do that one from now on myself? Oh, no, you can do whatever you like, mate. It's our like a podcast, we'll do what we want. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. I, I feel quite refreshed, actually. It's got a refreshing start to the pod. Feels a bit... Oh, feels like we started a new series or something, or... Yeah. Well, it's not. It's still
2: series one, according to iTunes. It will always um, be but we are <laughs> but, but we are on episode 104, or Whoa. five, or six. Who knows? I've lost count.
3: Yeah, me too. Me too. But uh, it's a lot. We know it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. It's a lot.
2: And we still haven't nailed it.
3: (laughs) Still working on it. It's still a process. Um, Or growth. Growth,
2: Jim. And learning from one's mistakes is a big topic on today's podcast.
3: See, you say we don't know what we're doing. That, you know, we are getting better at our... um... (laughs) The, our, so our links and
2: uh well i wonder whether we shouldn't point it out though every time we
3: hey this is the chat tra- this is the, that's the charm that keeps people coming back to the blank podcast <laughs> they don't know what they're doing um oh, charles no, and jim the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> um yeah we've got yeah we've got a fantastic guest and um we do talk about uh yeah we do very much talk about that sort of journey on this mm. episode of, of, of sort of journey of learning and um improvement and feedback and being open to feedback and yeah we get into we really get into it quickly actually i should mm. probably say who it is shouldn't i sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry um it's it's tamsin merchant uh who's an absolutely love one of the loveliest people i've ever met on zoom again through we meeting people mm. through zoom but just a lovely lovely person this was a very very easy person to talk to wasn't it
2: oh it was so lovely yeah I mean, I've seen Tamsin's work for many years. She's been in all sorts of things. I think she popped up in the, the Tudors she had a big role in, and she's been in loads of other um, high-profile programs. And she's just started writing, although I think writing has always been a big part of her life. She's just had her first book published, The Hat Makers, uh, which is a children's book uh, for sort of middle, middle grade. And um, it's a fantastic book. And um all came about a dream she had while she was um while she was acting while she was working
3: yeah well she yes yeah, she, she tells us we pretty much start the podcast we sort of we uh we go straight into the book and yeah the the idea coming in a dream i love that it's it's the, the sort of thing happens in movies the only other person i can think of i know in the creative world who's had something in a dream and made it a reality is um is paul mccartney when i think he wrote yesterday i think that came to him in a dream ah
2: did it what the, what the melody the v- lyrics or
3: yeah and it came as like a, it actually came as like a jazz song or like a and then he sort of really went what? to play yeah to, yeah. <laughs> yeah my
2: travel seems so far away
3: <laughs> and then he like played it and it also like, ended up being different but <laughs> nice um but oh. yeah, i love i love that idea of that something creatively coming in. i used to have that i used to write for a youtube series called the football specials an animated series and i used to write the songs parody songs and um i actually released two albums ages ago um and you've released co- two albums two parodies comedy songs. no they, they weren't parodies they were, they were like originals comedy songs yeah you've played them on, on my old guitar i'm not very good at guitar they're not that great they're very raw um called or do they have names two albums they put them out one of them was called jim daly kicking off i think and the other one was called yeah <laughs> already amazing one, i think the other one was just called kick it off again I think. yeah um so it's like jive though, bunny cool.
2: quality album titles <laughs>
3: yeah very much so but I'd, i i was writing two or three songs a week for them so at, i was really much in a groove of writing And actually some of them came to me in a dream sometimes or i'd wake up with a melody in my head and think i've got to write this down i used to sing it into my phone as a voice note and a few of them yeah so i think sometimes when you are creatively in the flow it does uh seep into your sort of your almost your unconscious state yeah sometimes uh obviously most of the time i'd wake up listening to my phone that i'd sort of mumbled into through the night and thought that makes no sense that's not a, that's not a song yeah sometimes i think they became things they became things well i mean it's
2: amazing if you can turn those things into into full-blown projects and uh obviously tabs done that with her book and that's great it's fantastic it's all set in the 18th century it's obviously a period of time that she's interested in and um sounds like great and she she read a couple of quotes from it as well and it just sounds like a delightful book
3: yeah absolutely so we, we will definitely be keeping our eyes out mm. for that um, and she's working on book go, two she's working on She's book working two, on really, book two well, but, but we talk about that as well mm. we? sort of the pressures that come with that and imposter syndrome creeps up as it does in mm. most of our episodes and um at times is just an absolute absolutely lovely person this was a really really lovely episode mm. lots of, she she's absolutely sort of filled with quotes and advice and she she actually she offers so many good bits of advice in this not not just herbal tea recipes in fact i should say as a teaser we think we've come up with the herbal blend f- to cure blank moments i know so it's amazing worth so
2: listening is, to for that alone yeah thanks thanks for listening to the blank podcast the last two years we are <laughs> that's it we're done <laughs> yeah it's it's all over guys yeah um, no it's amazing it. i'm gonna try it very much because we've got I think i said on the podcast we've got loads of lemon balm outside that yeah. and is one of the key ingredients so if you've got lemon balm in your in your garden, go and yeah. pick some, dry it out, make some tea.
3: So here we go, then. This is, this is uh, Tamsin Merchant on the Blank Podcast. Well,
2: before we do that, Jim, oh, yeah. I'm going to oh, read God a tweet. Why? I
3: always forget about this, don't I? I Sorry. know,
2: but you know, it's important to share the lovely messages from our wonderful audience. Um, so I've got one here from Robin Capper. He says, I shared before hearing the post-show chat about sharing Blank Pod. I um, <laughs> only just discovered you at episode 100, but having a great time catching up with the back catalog well thank you robin that's a lovely message and yeah i'm i hope you're enjoying going back through them i'll be interested to know which ones if you've gone back to the beginning and started with john wantson and worked your way back or if you're just taking them at random it'd be interesting yeah let
3: us know let us know which ones you're delving into there's there's quite a few to go back to i think we've got quite a lot of people who have discovered us from episode 100 our stephen fry episode um Mm. so i think there's quite a few hopefully that are going back through the through the archives and um let us know if any sort of pop out and what you've enjoyed. We love hearing from our listeners and, and episodes they've enjoyed and anything they've taken away from them. Like it's, it is, it's one of the my favourite parts of doing this podcast is connecting with all these people. Yeah, and I've got awesome. another one here, and this is one of our regulars. It's Stephen Leatherdale. Stephen tweets quite a lot about us, and we love love seeing him tweet about BlankPod. And he's put, yesterday was greatly improved by BlankPod. And here we go, the 100th episode with Stephen Fry. Absolutely fascinating. Such a lot to think about. A massive congratulations and thanks to Giles and Jim. Such a great po- po- uh, podcast and giving Stephen the time to, to speak. Well, thank you from one Stephen to another. Thank you, Stephen. That's lovely to hear. And yes, I mean, that episode of with Mr. Stephen Fry was, oh. Oh, we've had a lot of correspondence and
2: I think, yeah, there's been so many people have got, I mean, I've had people say, I'm, someone sent me a message and they've listened to it three or four times already just to... wow really take in everything that Stephen said so that's I mean it's lovely that's, you know, and that's great
3: case. for our numbers as well if everyone could
2: do that <laughs> yeah thank you yeah <laughs> if you amazing. could all listen to all our episodes three or four times that would be really we'll be helpful. top of the charts in no time <laughs> please <laughs> do there tell all lovely. your friends to subscribe um, well we should probably kick on with this episode Jim so that people yeah. can enjoy this three or four more times
3: <laughs> yeah that'd be great if people did that anyway this is uh, the lovely uh, Tamsin Merchant on the Black Podcast <laughs>
2: But well, no, but I was interested because I'm I'm a children's writer as well, so I've you know I've written several books for children, and uh, I'm always interested about the challenges because I mean it is a challenging thing writing a children's book. I mean also it's you know it's also very joyful. Um, so I, there was two questions I wanted to ask you. One was how did the how did the hat makers come about, and also a bit about your process, I guess.
0: Oh, okay, great, excellent.
4: Diving in. Um, <laughs> listen,
0: <laughs> the hat makers actually came about in this bizarre um meeting between my two careers I was having um a costume fitting late at night on the carnival row set um and Joanne Eatwell who was our costume designer for season one she was talking about making a special hat to go over David Jesse's horns because he's a fawn in the show so he needed a special hat to be made and um she was talking about this at sort of nine at night. And then that night I had a dream um, about magical hat makers because I'd had all of this like magical kind of special hats, kind of all this language being being talked about special hats. And so I had this dream about a family of magical hat makers. And that is actually where, where it all came from, where it all started.
3: And you're really on brand today because you're literally wearing a hat. Right now.
0: <laughs> this hat is it's multiple purposes. It's just to, you know, represent the hat makers. And also because uh, I have really bad hair today. I should have
3: done the same, actually. Now yeah, I can see yeah, myself. in, the, in, the, in uh, So is that football
0: oh, shirt you're wearing? You could wear the matching
3: hat. It, it I should do, yeah, it's a crystal palace. it's a retro crystal palace top retro, um, I like it, yeah, yeah, retro. the past is just better the past is better. <laughs>
1: agreed, um, agreed. um
3: that's so cool though, that you had this idea come in a dream because that 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 sounds like one of these things that sort of happens in in movies, like but it actually happened,
0: yeah, although i I would like to say that it came in a dream. I woke up my boyfriend and told him about it as you do when you've had a great dream. Um, it was half four in the morning and then it took two years for the dream to become a book that was publishable or even readable. Let's mm. be honest. <laughs> so yeah, I would hate for people to, to listen to me like being like, Oh, I had a dream and it's a book now. That's like so obnoxious. So yeah, it took two years and seven drafts and hours and, and hours of um, of writing and I my process to answer the second question is that I sort of developed it over the first draft or two of writing and my process which I I do highly recommend and like I kind of semi stole from John August I listen to his podcast um, he recommends timing doing timed writing sprints okay. so like mm. um I think he says he and Craig Mason do this podcast and they said, you know, half an hour is good, but I decided I'd try 45 minutes. So yeah, I did timed. I literally put a timer on my phone and did 45 minutes, turn the internet off and do 45 minutes writing four times a day. So it's like three wow. hours.
2: That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, that, that sounds a lot to me. Three hours. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: as a as an out of work actor, <laughs>
4: <laughs> That else to do with my time? <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, so I kind of I realised that three hours is my upper limit. Yeah. Okay, mm. it's but it's still sustainable mm. for five days a week. So yeah, I kind of fashioned a rather personalised, random set of working instructions myself, mainly from John August podcast and Stephen King. On writing, which is an amazing
2: book about writing. Stephen King is an incredible writer, and and the w- the one thing I like about Stephen King was um, I remember him saying that um, with regards to rejection, he's mm. got um, one of those letter spikes, you know, the little pins where you you spike oh, your yeah. letters on. He's got one of those by and side of his desk with all his rejection letters on it,
4: <gasps> really? which cool. I think he's
2: just he just looks over at it <laughs> and then probably looks over to the other side of his room where. He's got hordes of books up. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I always remember and a thinking stack that's of such. Money, it's yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> He's probably putting money on another spike somewhere. Yeah, um, but I always remember thinking that was really like a fantastically empowering kind of thing because you know, uh, as you know, as, as a writer that still um, experiences rejection now and again for for pictures mm. that I put out there. Um, mm, that's a really powerful sure. thing to t- to have. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think when we try to run away from rejection, it chases us. Yeah. Um, mm. and I think I think turning and kind of making space for it in the room is actually really wise. um, yeah, I too am very familiar with rejection from mm. both writing and acting, and yeah, it's something that I don't know how how you kind of made yourself familiar and okay with it, but I think it's a really important part of being a, an artist because yeah I think it if we allow it too much space it also can begin to define the choices we make creatively so yeah, like
3: absolutely yeah no I agree Rejection
0: is an interesting beast
3: well I guess there's an element of acceptance that you know we're all in all three of us in industries where rejection is sort of prevalent and it is mm-hmm. part of it is part of what happens so I guess you you have to accept it's going to happen doesn't mean that don't know what am I trying to say yeah you're right about not giving it too much space and not letting it influence your sort of future creative choices but it is part of what you do you can't it will it will happen to you there is no actor comedian writer that's going to go through their life and never have rejection yeah it's literally not going to happen so once you sort of make peace with that and accept it then I guess maybe it makes it easier to sort of move forward then with Other things. Does that make sense? Have I made sense there? Yeah, you've made
0: all the sense. Yeah,
3: I (laughs) should write a book about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's um, yeah. I also think it's quite. There's a part of me that sometimes, especially as a form of protecting myself, especially with acting, Mm. I'll be like pre-reject myself from something, which is another probably not very healthy thing to
2: do. I'm not going to get this. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, yeah, so do exactly. you do do you do that? Do you think?
0: Yes, I do. Consci- I do it consciously. And yeah, and it's not very helpful because it's like you know that dance—you put your left foot in, you put your left foot. Out. <laughs> it's like it feels like I'm doing that in an audition. You know, I'm just yeah, like yeah. kind of playing chicken with it somehow. But yeah, I think there's there's definitely a healthy, probably constantly evolving relationship. That as artists, we have to make with rejection. I still don't know what it is. Mm. I'm still definitely evolving. But mm. yeah, it's definitely out there somewhere. The key is out there, written on the back <laughs> of the American
3: Constitution. <laughs> Secrets to life.
4: <laughs> yeah, to go find it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It is, I mean, it's one of those things as well that you, um, you do kind of have to take it on the chin, but it mm. doesn't mean it doesn't hurt any less. Um, even though we're you know like we say we're all we're all in industries where it's it's a it's almost a constant um, mm.
0: I think it's like the dark as well, like being afraid of the dark, if you're afraid of the dark, you kind of cut out a whole a whole amazing part of what it is to be human and what it is to yeah. be alive and also what it is uh, and what it is to be creative as well and I've been thinking about this a lot in winter actually because like obviously it's winter now it's the like dark time of year and I'm so excited that spring feels (laughs) kind of around the corner but without winter I just think you know what would spring be without the dark season and without the darkness you know that kind of is such an integral part as like the world and, and nature teaches us of being alive um and of flourishing actually, mm. I think that without that we'd be in this like nightmarish perpetual summer you yeah. know um so that's interesting, and I learned a fact recently i'm a gardener and I, I just love gardening are you? I learned that's... that yeah, um I learned that flowers need we think of flowers as responding to Daylight, Um, actually, I might be, this might not apply to all flowers, so come at me, Monty Don, with the facts.
4: (laughs) I get this wrong. But there are definitely
0: some flowers, I think they're like spring flowering bulbs that respond to the amount of darkness that they have rather than the amount of light. So when I found that out, I was like, that's really cool because dark is part of growing. And we do our growing in the dark a lot of the time, so yeah.
3: I, yeah. From a random tangent. No, no that no. makes so much. That makes so much sense to me. It sort of reminds me of the is it the Wizard song? I wish it could be Christmas every day. No, you don't. That would be fucking horrible. <laughs> Christmas every day. That would be the worst. <laughs> well, we would all be bankrupt. And need...
4: start.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we would have
0: destroyed our planet multiple times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, be... it would
3: be... <laughs> I can't eat nut roast. <laughs> Three hundred and sixty-five times a day i'm sorry i just can it um you need the build up you need to come down from christmas yes. so you need all that and also there is you're so right about so, that we need the dark to grow there's also there's a there's a beauty in darkness i think mm. as well that um and i, I also I mean literally like you know if you go outside and you look at the night sky for example i'm, yeah. I'm up to a like, literal dark mm. or neon lights in town or th- th- there are, there is sort of beauty in I remember once I was, sta- I'm going to do the same tangent, going off on a tangent. Um It's I'm my lovely. podcast, i do what I want. Um I'm going to go, I remember once I was staying in Colorado when I used to coach soccer in America and oh, wow I can't remember where it was. No, it was, no, it was start, Bozeman. You're, you're it now. <laughs> it was-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've called it soccer. Interesting. Yeah, I, I thought that as oh,
3: well. Yeah, I might get trolled for that. Um, it, um, Technically, soccer comes from the word association football, so it's, is technically anyway that's really nerdy sorry
0: wow um, that's interesting
3: yeah so it is actually from technically it's right but um no, no, it's, be- yeah, it's okay. become a it's become a sort of a, um a taboo word isn't it in, in england <laughs> anyway i was in a place called bozeman montana and i know we have some american listeners if, if there's any american listeners in bozeman montana hello to you i doubt oh, there is. you never know but i was staying with a host family and you'd sort of hang out at their house and stuff. And I was out there one night in the garden looking up at the stars and it was so dark because it was that part of the hemisphere, so dark, I could see so many stars. And it was like the stars Mm. was the ceiling. It's like they were right on top of me on my face. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. But that was because it was so dark, if that makes sense. And I hope this analogy is working. So I was able to see all this beauty because I was there at a time when it was really, really dark. And that, that image has stuck with me forever, those... It was literally like looking at the ceiling. It was so, I mean, it was stunning. It's absolutely stunning. That sounds
0: Um, amazing.
3: It was so good.
0: That's interesting. It reminds me, funnily enough, appropriately enough and conveniently enough, (laughs) there's a line in in my children's book um, where Cordelia, um, who's the, the hero of the book, her father says to her, sometimes we have to wait until it's so dark that you can't see your nose in front of your face. And then you can look up at the stars and begin to find yourself. Yeah. because of course in back in the day they used to navigate by the stars yeah. so yeah. even on a kind of quite a, a literal geographical um yeah. navigational level um the stars and the darkness help us find ourselves much more so sometimes than the light does
3: yeah not only is that a very salient point it's an excellent plug as well that was very smooth <laughs> 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 so professionally done <laughs> what <a link>. Smooth. <laughs> No, but
2: it is so true, and I think in, in in our darkest moments, in our sort of difficult times, it's you know you start to sort of if you if you can reflect, if you can give yourself the time to reflect, it is you do yeah. see the, the better things, don't you? I think that's mm. I think that's important. Mm.
0: There's a there's a saying um, in your darkest cave is where your treasure lies, which I love, and I that just think nice. yeah, and I don't know who wrote it but it's just great. And I want to embroider it on a pillow and sell it on Etsy. <laughs> but it's such, <laughs> it's such a good one because like, and Robert Bly wrote this book called the little book of the human shadow. And it's about a kind of like what we're talking about, cha- like allow, allowing, if you turn and run from rejection, it will chase you. Like our shadow will always be with us no matter kind of what that shadow contains. And if we, if we don't, Robert Bly says, if we don't kind of do the work of confronting that, um, then it will begin to define us. Quite, it's quite a kind of horror image, isn't it? This kind of shadow growing larger mm. and longer behind us as we kind of try to escape it
3: quite cool. That theres We've got a 16-month, oh, no, oh, she's 17 months today, actually. Oh, um 17 months? <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's today the 21st. It's today the 21st. Yes, it is, yeah. Yes, um, oh, nice oh she'll be 18 months next month oh my word um we've got a book i can't apologize i can't remember who wrote it but it's called ruby has a worry and it's literally about that this this worry becoming a sort of shadow and taking over and then the girl sort of talks about it and it diminishes but um it's really it's a a really beautiful book it's really it's really there's so many good kids books out there. honestly
0: i was just gonna say that so many amazing kids books that and they contain wisdom like in a really beautiful, like upfront yeah. way, I think our inner children—we all need to to tend our inner children by by reading more children's. Books. I
3: agree. There's one called there's one called Paper Dolls, I think, or something about Paper Dolls. Yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah. Julia Donaldson, yeah. It's Julia Donaldson. We have a lot of Julia Donaldson in the house, and I was my wife and I were crying. There's a twist at the end, and it's so like it gets you out of the gut,
4: really. Um,
3: it's oh yeah that we were crying. There's another one. Detect was it? No, not detect. Hospital dog. I think that's Julia Donaldson as well. Oh. Um, we were crying with that as well. I I, I cry a lot actually. I've just realised.
0: <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's, that's
3: really good. That, man. No, it's good. It is good. We all need to. Cry. Well, I think particularly with picture nice. books and stuff,
2: you have to convey a story in like thirty-two pages. Um, mm. and so you mm. you know you can get to the point quite quickly, but you can do it in a very concise and affecting way.
0: Yeah. I think as a writer as well, I don't know how you feel about this, Giles, but like as a writer, children's books require kind of, I feel, and I've only written a children's book, but require kind of no, there's no room for laziness, like that you have to be on point with the plot and, and everything you're saying, it all has to, it requires a great, a greater discipline perhaps. I mean, Mm. I'm scared of no yeah, I,
2: I book no book. I agree I agree because I agree yeah well, because there is a sort of fallacy that it's easy to write a kid's book I mean I write a lot of picture books so you know we're talking mm. about I mean obviously you yours is more like a middle grade kind of age but mm. you know mine are generally like a thousand words and and people mm. think oh well, that's easy as you know piece of piss but it's it's not actually it's really yeah. hard to convey yeah. like, <laughs> con- convey a story in such a concise way and have a narrative and a plot you know yeah. with with so few words. Um so no, I think
3: I think you have to be incredibly talented. Mm, I agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the opposite of my dissertation, which I fluffed out with so much nothingness. Oh yeah, I You're <laughs> talking about the exact opposite of actually bringing it all.
2: My dissertation wasn't actually. But as I as think often. there is a point. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Joe, I was going to say there is a point to that though, in that I think you do have to remember that children are serious readers, and I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I know, and of, often also, children are reading with a parent. So you have, you've got this balancing act where you have to make mm. sure that it it hits so many different um, points for different people, yeah. Not just the children, but for adults as well. So I think you know, I think there is you know, it's it's, it's a, there's a craft there that I think um, needs to be more respected for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think children
0: hate sort of they are very sensitive. A lot of children to being patronized. Yeah. So I think probably especially when they're kind of growing and and maybe becoming independent you know as readers and they want often with picture books especially kids want to hold it and they want to be the kind of master of the book which is great and so I think that they I think if they feel spoken to not spoken down to but I think that it is a hard it's it's a very delicate and beautiful thing to, to to try to achieve really yeah, i'm i'm finding yeah my experience.
2: have you read it to many children your book yet
0: no my first book tour thing is next week oh okay yeah and i think obviously because parents and teachers have been so it's been so hard mm, in lockdown yeah. and um it's going to be a zoom thing yeah. uh, next week but i think yeah, I haven't. I've heard of one child who's read it, um, who is one of my best friends, his husband's manager's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently she loved it and she's nine, So that to me feels like the, the biggest validation ever.
2: Yeah, it's an so. amazing feeling when you when you get to read it. You know, I, I, I've been lucky enough to do lots of school events and stuff. And, um, and, and it's lovely to read your story to children and see them sort of, you know, see the awe in their faces and the particularly when they yeah. think oh you wrote the book sometimes you, i go into schools and um like you start reading the book and and the kids are like yeah whatever and then, and then, and then the teacher goes. This is the person that wrote the book. And then they're like, "Oh my god, actually wrote this!" You know, it's like it's like woo. Um, yeah, but they just, just think I'm some bloke that's just coming to read the book to them. Um, but it's it's funny, but but also but also they're so honest as well about it. And if they don't, you know, obviously they don't like it. You, you kind of know about it quite quickly. So. I think I
4: like that. Yeah, I've I definitely like oh,
0: oh, that as well. Yeah. Just like, yeah, <laughs> like twenty seconds in, you're like, oh no, this is not going my way. Yeah. <laughs> I think it keeps you, uh, keeps you keen. Treat them mean, keep them keen. I
2: didn't <laughs> you it did not know. that's agree. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, it does <laughs> okay. make you think. Well, what have I done? You know, I mean, I've written books that aren't as good, you know, and and have not gone down as well. When I've I've read them, and and you think, well, what what is it about that one that's not hitting the mark? What's you know, what can I do to cultivate my my um my writing style or or Mm. or, you know what am I not capturing for them so that's 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 a good way of learning I think
0: yeah that's really interesting I remember achieving object permanence with with books and authors at probably about the age of five and before then I thought that they were just like magical artifacts
4: that just (laughs) kind of
0: came from from somewhere else another dimension and were just kind of a doorway into the world that they created but when I realized that there were human beings whose job was to write the books the books the words in the books I was just completely I remember being like I felt a bit like sort of you know Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind just, <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: or, or Matt Damon we're, writing on a window you know yeah, just, like, yeah, just kind of <laughs> doing the math.
3: <laughs> yeah. It is magical it is, it is magical when you think I sometimes think like we've only got 26 letters in the alphabet and yet the opportunities are endless and someone can sit down and with those 26 letters, write something so different to the last person. Like it is, there's there's definitely a bit of magic in that really. And also then when you try and do it yourself and you're like, fuck, this is really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. They're really good. Ah.
0: (laughs) I know. I mean, that's genuinely how I felt when I started writing it. I was like, um, but the first time I sat down after I'd had this dream, I was like, right, money where my mouth is. I'm going to try and write a draft to see if I can.
4: Yeah.
0: Um. I. It felt like I was trying to move a pile of bricks with my mind. Like it's hard. <laughs> it's So hard. And I'd you know done the dissertations with the twelve thousand words, most of which are heretofore and. <laughs> yeah. <of the> <laughs> it's definitely different. Um, yeah. Um, yeah.
3: It is. It is. Uh. It is difficult. Just going back to the thing you were saying about sort of the honest appraisal, I do think that as adults we are getting that way because of sort of social media and mm. the, the way we consume stuff. I saw a tweet from someone yesterday, and it was after they put that new thing on Mars, haven't they? They landed mm. this new thing on Mars that's going to oh, take yeah. a video and stuff. And he was like, it's "I over, saw a." Yeah. He's mm. like, "He's." I know my attention span's taking a hit because I saw a forty-five second video of the Mars rover, and I got twenty seconds in. You know, of Mars rover with a brand new landscape, a new planet, something we've never seen before in our entire lives. And I got 20 seconds in and I thought, yeah, I've seen enough of this. (laughs) 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 But that's what it's done to us. That's what social media has done. I think it has changed the way we... Maybe we have got more honest, I think. Or it's it's easier to scroll and flick through to something else.
0: I think we've got harsher. I Mm. think... And what worries me about that, obviously aside from, you know, children kind of participating in it and growing... Harsher. I mm. really hope that that you know that doesn't happen. I think we need to find ways of protecting our children and ourselves. um But I, I'm worried that social, the kind of harsher landscape of social media, means that we're like that with ourselves and with each other in real life. And it's, yeah. I think that in, especially this year with everything that we've all been through, the only way we're really interacting on a large scale is through social media. And I mean. I think it's just been. I'm definitely not the first person to say this, but I just think it's it, it's it's acidic. Really, it's it's not mm. not very good for their the soul in lots of ways. Um, but I was very happy when Trump got chucked off
2: yeah. forever.
3: That was. I mean, it was long was overdue. It was <laughs> yeah, massively long
2: overdue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I yes. think we've, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean that that's. I mean, obviously, we don't get to. Luckily, we don't see his tweets anymore. But also, I think yeah. there's there's it has sort of lowered the volume generally, I think, because, you know, everyone's not having to respond. Um, So I think that has made it a a slightly nicer environment. But, I mean, obviously Twitter's always going to be quite um, dubious. But I think these things have been building up for quite some time, obviously politically and, you know, with your, you know, um, with, you know, our various industries as well, you know, when you're,
4: Mm. you,
2: you know, if you're acting in a show and someone... Doesn't like it. They feel they feel the obligation to sort of tell you. And I mean, um, same yeah. with you, Jim, with football. You know, it's a very binary kind of thing where you're either on yeah. one side or another. So yeah, I think it's something that has been building up for years, and and obviously now mm. we're all kind of using them even more because we're we're all in lockdown. Mm. Or whatever. It's tricky.
0: Yes, I think I can't wait for the the great reemergence. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> into the real world, and we can all. Chuck our phones away. I've actually been doing this thing, where um, I've only done it a couple of times. I can't pretend to be, you know, a well-seasoned, um, you know, kind of lever of technology. But I've been doing this thing, and I highly recommend it. Every once a week, on say a Friday night, you turn your phone off, you put it in a drawer, and then the whole of Saturday you don't have it, and then you only turn it back on on Sunday. It's such a weird. Yeah. and great thing <laughs> highly recommend it and i learned this from um my so i'm doing this online herbal herbalism course
1: oh wow um, by,
0: yeah by this amazing woman called marisha miranowska she's um a witch from southern california she's wow. absolutely awesome i recommend you follow her on instagram and she has this um she had this kind of part of the course which was to challenge people to to yeah. do this like technology free day and it is you feel strangely giddy it feels like mm. school's out or something <laughs> so i highly recommend it
3: how <laughs> do you the- stop yourself going in the drawer sorry Charles, how do you stop yourself opening the drawer well just willpower you just
0: need exercise willpower yeah,
3: yeah. that's yeah. where it falls down for me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think that's where well, I, think I might you
0: struggle need, you need like a safe that has like a
3: Time lock on it. Yeah.
0: Maybe that.
3: Yeah. Well, you can get apps that do the same thing, can't you? I think on your phone that lock you out of certain apps. I've an used that before app, yeah, For I've for the day so. I can lock you out of Twitter or something. I've never tried it but I think you can And then you're your still email. you've still got the device you still got the f- you still mm. in your phone and I think and
2: head. I think yeah. there's the temptation always to even if you lock the app down to go on your Google or Chrome or whatever yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Massive. Um we so all
0: th- become sort of really creative at how to get around our own
2: things. <laughs> yes, <and> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I <laughs> switched mine well, off a while back cuz I was ri- I was heavily writing something I thought like, I need to switch off so I I, yes. I, I did it and um yeah, I just I just ended up going on to the to the to the um the website
3: versions of We uh, end up doing sort of like Oceans Eleven style heights <laughs> yeah. to get to get round it. I think, oh wow, I really am sneaky, I am creative of this kind of
0: <laughs> chicanery, yeah. I,
3: I've decided I want to I want to read more. Like I've realised I do not read mm. at all, basically. I want to actually read more. So I have started mm. to try like like late at night. Or in the evening, because our daughter's in our room at the moment, so we can't, like, go to bed. We have to sneak in at, like, late at night and not wake her, so we can't. Hopefully, um, she is moving out really soon. So we can't, for what, for what, otherwise... Out they... the whole house? Out of the whole house, yeah. She's <laughs> 18 months now. She's, she, she, yeah. she's, I think <laughs> she you know, she's old enough to go out on her own, get a job, like, she'll be fine.
0: Independent. Yeah,
4: she's yeah
3: independent. exactly. <laughs> um... um no, so we can't. I think Otherwise, we would go to bed and probably, or hopefully, re- read a book with a light on and, and sort yeah. of wind down that way. We can't. So we're sat down on the, stairs on the sofa, phones right there, mm. watching like TV. So I have to, I've tried to sort of just force myself then put my phone down, read a book. Even if it's only like half an hour, read a book. The book that I'm currently reading is, uh, it's the lowest level book I could possibly think of. It is uh, The Gaffer by Neil Warnock, <laughs> football <laughs> manager. It <laughs> is... I mean, it's very, very entry level <laughs> reading to the point where it looks like it's been like written by a ten-year-old. Um, but lots of
2: pictures in it.
3: No pictures, oh. but just like very short sentences. <laughs> and, then, oh. and then I told him this, and then I told him that. Um, but That's great though, it's a start.
0: Yeah. yeah, I remember when I graduated, I did a degree in education and English literature, and it did take me a while to rehabilitate myself into like reading for pleasure.
4: Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. and I
0: love books and I study them for like you know three years and then it kind of I think yeah there's definitely there's this amazing sort of reading for pleasure initiative with kids at the moment in England and it's really necessary really necessary because what we read all the time because we're constantly reading our phones but mm, yeah. actually reading a book it is it's is magic on a different level because you can also pick up a book of Jane Austen you know Jane Austen and be transported back. And I think it's probably like like you were saying about our attention spans, they are getting like truncated and shortened. Mm. Um and I think, yeah, reading is probably one of the best ways to actually deepen our concentration. But
3: uh, but you can do it as well. Like you're right. Like I I would look at Twitter and I think I scroll, 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 I probably read one bit of information for literally like half a second or a second. Mm. And yet I can put a book down and I can get through 20 pages. And Mm. I've just been sitting there reading this one story. I haven't scrolled, I haven't gone anywhere. You can do it. It is in you. Mm. And it takes just sort of forcing yourself to do it. I mean, yes, it is stories about Neil Warnock managing Crystal Palace and I'm pretty dull, but...
0: Give me the is... impression you're good into Crystal Palace. <laughs> a, little yeah, a little
3: bit. a little bit. A little bit. I think a I'm a addicted. Well. kind of an addiction. <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah, I do bring it up a lot. But yeah, it's um, it, it can be done. And that's quite sort of empowering to realise as well. you can you can do this. and And then, as you say, once you do it with one book, like, the opportunities are endless. And there's something about having a book in your hand. Like yeah, there's nothing like it, a physical just, book, I think. It, yeah, it's not the same. As...
2: Jim, it's us again. And uh, we've got some big news. We
3: have indeed. Uh, Jas, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments based on this very podcast. Yeah.
2: We've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realized that everyone has these difficult blank moments. All our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time to tell us about their own situations, their own experiences of blank moments. And sometimes that can be from a personal life, from their career, the relationships they're in, or maybe it's a public situation.
3: Yeah, I mean... It really, it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything. Social anxiety, imposter syndrome, just sort of generally being off form, having an identity crisis. I mean, it's all part of the human condition, and yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless.
2: Yeah, so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod. So whether it's uh, public failure, social anxiety, fear, mental health, grief, all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast.
3: Yeah, I mean, and those guests include Louis Theroux, David Harbour, Reggie Hunter, Dawn French, Rachel Paris, Amanda Abington, John Ronson, Rufus Sewell, Gary Lineker, all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments. And what we've done is we've dived into them, um, explained how we relate to them, talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us. And we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us.
2: Yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim?
3: Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, Waterstones.com and hive.co.uk.
2: Yeah it's I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it and uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments and you never know what you might find out.
4: It's it's funny because they, the they they've,
2: they've mm-hmm. tried to t- obviously they've tried to digitalize books with Kindles and and other e-readers mm-hmm. are available. Um <laughs> uh but but Physical books are still outselling those now. I mean, it's gone Mm-mm. the other way. So I think, you know, there's something, they like you say, something magical about it. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been someone, that I, I put this up on Twitter the other day, actually, that I've had readers, I've had readers block. Now you have writer's block, obviously, but I've had oh, readers block, yeah. I think is a thing. And I've heard that other people, I talked to another author, Joanna Cannon, the other day mm. about this, and she had it as well. And mm. just couldn't start loads of, I mean, I've probably, in the last 18 months, I've probably started about 10 books but I just haven't got very far with them like and and just given up so I'm like you Jim I'm trying to persevere trying to find maybe the right and I've tried different genres non-fiction fiction um crime novels whatever to try and to try and break it but I'm hoping I will soon
0: do you think I have a theory about this about just at the moment we're all in a kind of state of hype hyper vigilance around covid especially at the beginning of Mm. the pandemic and also partly i think around the previous president i think we were like hyper vigilant around that and i think that that again you're in fight or flight a lot of the time Mm, yeah so i think and then you sort of check the phone kind of quite obsessive i do you know you Mm. check news obsessively and stuff which kind of shortens the attention span um yeah i wonder whether that's kind of part of it yeah i also find when i'm when i'm acting i find it hard to read books um which is a bit strange and a bit frustrating because it's a good way of winding down but
3: yeah because is that because you're sorry. oh sorry now go on Jim. is that because you're sort of your energy is spent on work so we we've only, we've only got so much energy during the day i guess and so you're sort of spending that to concentrate on sort of you know doing a good job and, and do your work so there's not enough left to then concentrate on a book
0: i guess well it might be to do with like if I'm in the story of the character that I'm playing, then if other stories come kind of almost like a cross, coming at a cross current to the story that I'm currently kind of putting my energy towards, I also find it when I'm writing. So, but it's annoying because reading is one of the greatest tools as a writer (laughs) that you can use. And it's there and it's available everywhere. And it's lovely. but yeah, I find it, I think it's to do with cross currents and probably energy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, Still definitely trying to figure that
2: out. Yeah, it's uh, it's the thing I, when I do, like I say, when I do talks in schools and stuff, it's the, b- the biggest thing I say to kids if you want to be a writer, read loads of books.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, you know,
2: and, but, but I like you, you know, I've, well, I think, particularly if I'm writing, I, I find it really yeah. impo- almost impossible to read other things because I guess because you're so in. Oh, I don't know, maybe so ingrained in what you're doing, perhaps. Did yeah, you always, and
4: it,
2: sorry, sorry, Tamsin, I was going to say, did you, was, did you always, yeah. um, were you always into books and stuff? Did you, did you, did you kind of think that you would be a, an author at some point in your life when you were younger?
0: Yeah, I did. And I think actually from the, that time I achieved object permanence about books, you know, when I was like, people write these things. Yeah. Um, I think from that time, really before I, had ever thought about being an actor um from probably the age of five I've actually wanted to be an author um it's really weird I've been one for two days now <laughs> 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 um yeah so I think I've, I've wanted to be a writer since before I wanted to be an actor although I suppose as a kid I was always play acting and stuff so in some ways I think I technically still am as an actor really um because I don't have any like formal training so I think just kind of making my own making my own way, um, Mm. through both of these, um, different ways of storytelling has been interesting. And yeah, I've tried to kind of find my own way and carve my own path when I, when I haven't had any guidance. I mean, I've had an amazing education and some really encouraging teachers, but, um, yeah, especially as an actor, never had a, never had a lesson. Wow. Yeah. So I think from just I've yeah from being a writer from sort of always writing stories the age from the age of about five and probably play acting in with my mum's dressing up box which is pretty much about the same time yeah I think that's I've been in training but self-training ever since I guess
3: well that that's really interesting because I think most people would assume to get into the world of of acting you probably do need to go to drama school and and, and mm. or down that route yeah. So it's actually quite freeing, I think, to hear that there are successful people that haven't gone down that. And as you say, you then are able to bring yourself completely to it with sort of no, you know, when we, we go through training, sometimes people come out maybe the same, I guess. I don't know. I, I haven't been to. Right. either. But that's really interesting. So how did it sort of come about then with, with no.
0: With no training? <laughs> I, uh, turns out I um, you can you can get into acting if you cold call a casting director and pretty much demand to audition for them, (laughs) which is what I did when I was 17 um, for Pride and Prejudice. I called Gina Jay, who is one of the scarier and more intimidating casting directors in London, I found out later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, I think that's really... So when people ask me how to go about getting you know uh getting into acting I'm just like I don't know find people's phone numbers and them. um yeah so yeah like you say read a lot of books you know to be a writer I don't know how you really be an actor except just try and get a job which is what I did
2: we're hustling aren't we? yeah that's
3: amazing um,
0: yeah that was a bit of a hustle I um I I had to fax a picture of myself into the casting office and uh, they let me audition and then they amazingly I, I got the part they yeah they were very sweet and supportive and I was very excited <laughs> and That's then they amazing. actually introduced me to to my first agent as well which was amazing of them
3: that's incredible. I think even even if you have had training, it still it still takes that hustle. It still takes that push and that desire yeah. to do that. No matter where you've come from, no matter how many jobs you've done, what your background is, like it's still you still got to be ballsy, I guess, like that.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I don't really know what it would be like to be a trained actor because obviously I'm not one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there are probably pros that I've missed out on, but also. I kind of don't want anyone else to tell me how to play. Mm. Um, and I think I've been been like that, um, you know, since I started and have just tried to rely on instinct and kind of intuition and and also these are two wonderful but human-made kind of ways of storytelling, acting and and storytelling of of like any kind so like verbal from like back in the day around the around the campfires or you know actually turning a story into a book I think we can sometimes give a lot of credence to the kind of establishment Mm. and I do think that sometimes that could maybe feel limiting and I kind of I feel standing slightly outside of the establishment is maybe Definitely more freeing for me. It feels more freeing.
3: So yeah. Do you think, I think you should... Should... I've gone, Jim? Sorry, you, you go, you go. I've dominated. <laughs> no, I was gonna say,
2: do you think um the industry should be giving more opportunities to people that haven't gone through the sort of formal process?
0: Um, the acting industry. Mm. I mean, it's hard to say because I think that more now there 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 are more opportunities for people who haven't gone through the formal process. Um, I think there are definitely times when the formal process is super useful, especially for stage um, training, for sort of appearing on stage. If you're going to be in a West End run for like a year, then you definitely need the voice training. I don't have that. Um, But I think, yeah, I think the acting industry needs to diversify in lots of different ways. And I think it, it is, but obviously the speed is always a bit more mm. frustrating than, than, you know, our imaginations take us to like a utopia, but um, I think it is taking a while to kind of, to, to catch up with, you know, with what, sh- what it should be. But I think that's happening. So that's really encouraging. Mm. And there are lots of amazing people who are really fighting to make that happen, which is
3: great. Yeah. Change can sort often take, take longer than we want it to. Mm. Um, but I was going to say that, that, I know, I know we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast who are creatives and who are sort of plugging their way in the world and doing their thing. So I think it'd be quite mm. inspiring from them to hear your story about sort of just doing it. Sorry to sort of borrow an advertising <laughs> slogan there from a famous <laughs> um, sporting goods company. Um, but that it can be done. You yeah. know, it can be done if you're not someone who was able to get training or whatever, like you can. These things can be done. I think that's quite empowering to to know that in whatever creative industry, really, because they're all difficult. They're all difficult to break into. They're all industries where you feel like maybe I need a leg up or I do need a um, Mm. training or whatever. But, you know, it's inspiring to hear your story. I think that hopefully our listeners will will sort of realise it. it, it, no matter who you are, it it can be done. It's hard. It's it's hard. It's it's tough. It takes Mm. a lot of rejection, a lot of no's, but, like, it it, it can be done. I think that's quite empowering.
4: Yeah,
0: well, I think, you know, um, especially for me sometimes just acknowledging that, acting and writing are, are kind of human made endeavors. And so humans have made the rules. So yeah. that's actually quite key for me sometimes to remember because someone somewhere, whether it was Lawrence Olivier or whoever came before him, like Euripides, like who, someone's been making rules, but it, that's just another person. So it's basically all down to opinion um, yeah. it, in, in lots of ways. Um, obviously spelling and punctuation maybe isn't down to opinion <laughs> but, but you know like in a book but even that you know Virginia Woolf might say 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 nay to that so yeah. yeah I feel like acknowledging and remembering that it's human humans have made the rules and some humans will definitely try to enforce the, the rules but and make you play by the rules but I don't think you need to necessarily um, yeah, so I do remember that, and I, you know, I definitely feel that there's, I have a respect for actors who spend three years at drama school, but I also have a, a, a deep respect for actors who are relying on their, their instincts, and their, and a, a lot of act at drama school, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble with, like, the RADA mafia now, but, like, a lot, <laughs> I saw a lot of, a lot of drama school people obviously rely on their instincts and stuff. But yeah, for me, I, d- I definitely felt that I never wanted to be told how to how to play and, and what, what I was and wasn't allowed to, to do and, and allowed to feel and that kind of thing. For me, acting, the joy in, in acting for me is like about freedom and, and just creating. The only thing I really do before I get under set is learn my lines because um, once you know your lines like everything else can kind of you can just be present but um yeah I think for me that's the joy is just the freedom of being able to create and tell a story yeah. without being hampered too much by the rules essentially so you don't uh, look straight into the camera and wink at any time but <laughs> maybe that's where,
3: that's where I've been going wrong that makes maybe do sense. <laughs> um, I think instinct is such a great word because I think if you follow your instinct, I don't think you can go too wrong most of the time. And if you sort of follow your, your gut and mm. you you know, you know more than you think. Yeah. Think most of the time you sort of pretty much do know what to do and what you're doing. Like we, we filter that out a lot and we, our mm. brains tell us that we don't know this stuff. And we and start that, questioning yeah. ourselves, don't we? Exactly, exactly, and that we are imposters and that we are frauds. Oh my gosh, Imposter syndrome. Exactly, but actually, you do, you you know it. It's in there, and your gut is normally, you know, ninety-nine times. Actually, no, nine hundred ninety-nine times. You know, (laughs) is is right. Um, And I think it's important not to lose that instinct, and I just say lose that sort of play because. Once you do, you sort of start to lose a bit of yourself, really. And that's, that's what stands you out from other people, is you. Is Absolutely. you Rather than what, you know, 200 people have told you what to do.
0: Absolutely. I think that's the thing about instinct as well. Like, that is the thing. That's what makes us unique as storytellers, as people, yeah. as footballers.
3: <laughs> yeah. Some of, them, <laughs> some of them. Some of them. Some of them not so, but yeah.
0: But Is that down to training? Is that down to, you know... I think football. So my boyfriend is a big Spurs fan, and um, uh, through his intense love of the Tottenham Hotspur football club, I have been taught, you know, certain, certain, certain sort of certain knowledge that I wasn't privy to, certain wisdoms that I wasn't yeah. privy to before I met him. Yeah, number so, one,
3: Arsenal was scum.
0: <laughs> number one, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that goes without saying, but. <laughs> But we can say it. We should say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that like I think football is actually quite a good analogy sometimes for some of the for some of the other creative industries because football is quite to my mind it's quite basic, but it requires you know a set of of skills and also a kind of a belief uh, belief in a kind of common purpose and like
3: yeah
0: yeah there's a lot there's a lot
3: um, well especially if you like you're language. right. It's like it's a very basic game. It's very structured. Those are the goals. You've got 11 players. You've got to do this. And mm. yet, a number of times, if you ask a player afterwards, how did you do that bit of skill? When you, mm. What were you thinking when you scored that goal? And they're like, I, I, just, I just did it. It was just yeah. instinct. I just did it. And they, they can't explain it.
0: Instinct it's- and personality. And personalities in football are really quite important. Like personality and heart, I think. Yeah. And it's the same in acting. Um, and that's what you want to watch. That like, that's what's riveting.
3: Yeah,
0: you know, on the field and on the on the film.
3: I agree. You can come on the pod again. Anyone that can like use football as an analogy on this podcast, like one hundred percent. Well, you could get, get him on. And he'd probably
0: explain <laughs> a lot
2: better. It has to be said that Jim will try and sort of shoehorn in some football analogy every episode. So it's good that you did. <laughs> I have managed to so uh, 100 <laughs> Whatever episodes. It's interesting that you um, obviously you raise your eyebrows with. Um, not raise your eyebrows. That's not the right thing. You you sort of said about imposter syndrome because it's something that comes up a lot on the on the podcast. Mm. um A lot of people yes. talk about it. Is it something that you you've suffered from in the past?
0: Massively and con- like mm. constantly as well. I think imposter syndrome is one of those things, a bit like failure and rejection, that like is it's with me like a shadow all the time. Mm. Um, and it it's like it comes and goes. It like in terms of it, the strength of its kind of. Um, just the strength of how deep it can, can get me. But yeah, imposter syndrome, isn't it something I really understood very much until I, it's been talked about more recently, which I really appreciate mm, because it's so real. And it's, it's that, you know, imposter syndrome, like it, it feeds off rejection and and it I mean sometimes man if I get a compliment or I get told something was good my imposter syndrome is like hello
4: yeah
0: I'm coming to a feast on this you know it's like <laughs> it's such a bastard but yeah. I think if I tried to squeeze it out completely if I tried to smother it and kill it I think it would find a way of coming back and so, what I'm trying to do right now, and it's very much a work in progress, is I'm trying to accept that it's there mm.
4: um,
0: without um, without letting a bit like a sort of toxic family member or something like you kind of you got to have them over at christmas but uh just try and keep them away from the wine you know
3: just don't politics
0: limit but without trying to completely like if you murder that family member you're a murderer so like you can't do that
3: yes. this is a very dark metaphor but football <laughs> okay let's go
0: um no i just yeah i feel like imposter syndrome is there and yeah. i don't think that we can ever kill it because I personally think if I tried if I tried to, I'd convince myself that I had. And like Gollum, it would be like, but you haven't. It, it. <laughs> so it's there. And I think just got to kind of most of the time, make it stand in a corner and just get on with, with the thing, you know, that you're doing, that creative thing. And I think if you don't acknowledge it, then you can't make it stand in the corner. You have to acknowledge it <laughs> to make it
4: yeah.
0: to make it kind of do your bidding. It's a bit like a dog. Like I've heard the ego described as a a sort of a dog. Um, so if you think of your ego as a dog, you want it to be, if it's kind of a ferocious dog sometimes, you want it to be on a leash. So it's it's there, it's your dog. But you know, if it's if it's bearing its fangs, it needs you need to have it under control. And I think imposter syndrome is kind of similar. Okay. But trying to get rid of these parts of ourselves, I think, is different from trying to confront them. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah,
3: that I completely agree, and and it comes up as Charles said, it comes up a lot on the podcast, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I always find it quite reassuring to know that and we've we've done mm. over a hundred episodes, and I would say it's probably come up on almost all of them.
0: Wow! Mm.
3: And a real range of guests from, from various industries. Yeah. And nearly all of them have said, oh, yeah, no, I suffer with that. And you think you you suffer with, Mm. are you kidding the things you've done? You suffer with imposter syndrome. So it's quite reassuring to think that everyone has it. And for me, that helps sort of minimise it and shrink it a little bit. Like, yes, it's still there, but like I can sort of have power over it because everyone has it. So if everyone has it, oh, well, I can't be that. I can't be that mad. Like everyone's got it. So
0: Yeah. And I think possibly if people don't, don't acknowledge that they have it or don't admit mm. that they have it like either that's a full-blown sociopath and you need to stay away. <laughs> or <laughs> you know or yeah they they don't feel able to and don't feel safe to and i think that that is another um i think it's another symptom of a kind of um that the culture of social media just mm. we all have to show our best selves all the time completely and i i think if we all kind of come out as as people with them you know imposter syndrome I think we can all kind of just in yeah we don't have to be kind of governed by governed by by it we can just make it stand in the corner while we get on with doing the thing that we actually want to do
4: yeah
0: yeah I'm so glad that it sounds harsh being like I'm so glad everyone.
2: Yeah. Feels <laughs> awesome.
0: But it's it's so good. Yeah, like, but it's, it's,
2: it's reassuring to have comrades, mm. isn't it? And I think, you yeah. know, I think in creative industries it is quite prevalent. Um yeah. I, and I guess oh, maybe yeah. because we put ourselves in situations where we might be slightly uncomfortable, you know, like, you know, you're walking mm. onto a set, you're going to, you know, you know your lines, but you're still mm. interacting with other people or if it's doing something new like writing a book for example, um mm. each book, you know, each time you write a new book, um, and I'm sure you're going to be writing far more. um You'll be finding that, and I find it all the time. And um, you know, it's it, it you know, I've written like I've had 10 books published, but I still don't consider myself to be an author, and that's my imposter syndrome, <laughs> <into>, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you think, like, and, and you know, and it's those sort of things. And um, yeah, I think you just have to, it, it's kind of like you have to kind of, like you said you have like this sort of toxic family member it's almost like you have to kind of make friends with it a little bit yes, as, as hard as that might be um and allow it to be there but like you say maybe just um ignore it yeah but no it's in
0: the it room sit down and yeah i think elizabeth gilbert did a ted talk about hmm just just watch all of elizabeth gilbert's ted okay. talks is <laughs> down to come up at some point but she she talks about kind of acknowledging these various parts of the psyche and like making, you know, and making them sort of do sort of making them get out of the way while, while you just get on with the work. And actually, yeah, that's, that. it's, I think it's like you say, you've got to kind of befriend it. Mm. Otherwise it will, yeah, it will just be jumping around in your face all the time when you're trying to do something like write a book. And I found with book one, um, writing The Hat Makers I was very just like tr- it was very beginner's mind I was like let's just give it a go see if it works see what sticks like I have nothing to prove then I had a two book deal with Puffins so it's a you know I started writing book two at the beginning of lockdown actually and imposter syndrome was like enormous for me starting book two because I had something to prove you yeah. know to myself to other people um and every it was almost like every time I sat down I was like I felt defined by what I would do next and that's um it's a hard place to create from you kind of I think I think um it, as kids I don't know when we develop imposter syndrome I'm sure there are really interesting studies on it yeah. but I, I think probably as we as we get older um yeah. Although possibly with social media, that that kind of aid the threshold is probably getting a bit younger. But um I think, yeah, I think to get myself back into that kind of carefree innocence pre-imposter syndrome, it is it's basically impossible. And to try to do that, I think almost sometimes worsens the thing. So befriending it and just allowing it to be there, but without allowing it to be. You yeah, know, it, it can be a football manager shouting from the sidelines. It yeah. doesn't have to be the centre forward of your team.
3: <laughs> These are great analogies. This is brilliant. <laughs> I wish all our guests would just bring it back to football. Uh,
2: <laughs> that would be amazing. But you know, what I think what Jim was saying as well is reassuring that everybody has it. I remember we talked, um, I'm, I'm name dropping now, but we had Ian Rankin yeah. on the show. And, um, oh, and obviously, he's you know, he's a fairly successful author. Um, and um, I remember watching and, and I spoke to him about it and he 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 did say that this was true that I watched a mm. documentary with him, and he was re- writing like book number twenty or something, and he sent it off to his editor, and he was like i've i've do you know what? I've done it this time? I've nailed it mm. i you know I really feel like i I'm getting to grips with this career, <laughs> you know book 20 <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and um she sent it back, and it was absolutely littered in edit notes. And he was physically crushed, like he sort of went. You know, you could sort of physically crushed by it. And he said, oh, "I thought, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing by now. Mm-hmm. Twenty books in, thought I knew what I was doing, and and it was that kind of moment of like realizations that, you know, this thing is here to stay, and I just need to work on my work." And just keep working on my creativity. And that is the yeah. way I can combat it, as opposed to me just thinking I'm no good.
0: Yeah, because I think if if you don't acknowledge that it's here to stay, then every time anyone gives you any kind of feedback that's not this is amazing, then it becomes defining you yeah. as an yeah. imposter. I've actually noticed, I worked with someone, an actor, a long time ago, who will remain nameless, but. I noticed and something I learned from working with them was that after a take every time if they'd been standing in, you know, like just slightly off their mark or something and someone said, Oh, you were, could you move slightly to the, they'd just be like, Oh, well, I was standing there because you know, this, that person was leaning in the other direction and blah, blah, blah. And there was always an excuse as to why as they could never, ever, ever be wrong. Mm. And I remember seeing that and thinking, Oh, gosh, this person is a massive pain in the arse because they can't ever be wrong about anything. And that, looking back now, I think I could sort of sense that there was something around, around them. And I I think it, it was possibly they were trying to flee the idea that they might be an imposter, and I feel that way a lot. And I think trying not to r- turn and run mm-hmm. is is actually quite good because I think when you do try to escape it, it, it follows you, and then it starts coming into all behavior. Yeah. Like you can't, if you're an inch to the left of where you're meant to be, somehow it's everyone else's fault. And that just I think from my experience, it made that person very hard to create with as well yeah. because um so yeah that that was a, a an interesting time mm. and yeah i felt it's difficult to be around that and yeah. i definitely felt like i didn't want to become defined by by my own version of
4: that
2: yeah, yeah. there's a power I mean, in acknowledging you're... it isn't it i think it's the thing is mm-hmm. a the power in acknowledging that you have it or that it's there and you know it's okay yeah. and actually we learn from our mistakes don't we at the end of the day yeah. we make errors and mistakes then that's that's massively important as part massively. of massively
0: mm. i've learned so much more from mistakes than i have from from victories or or th- things that i've done perfectly in invert you know in air quotes because mm. i think i think imposter syndrome and perfectionism are siblings and i yeah. think yeah. that perfectionism as well w- with writing my second book has been a massive hurdle because when you think that you're not worthy of something then you think well I'll disprove that by being perfect at it and that is a that is a many-headed hydra and you can never ever (laughs) you can't make something perfect and I I love Leonard Cohen's quote there's a crack in everything that's how the light gets in
4: yeah, yeah. That's a
2: beautiful.
0: Quote. I mean, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> yeah, I right. love it, and I love Leonard Cohen for saying that. Did he have? A, <laughs> do you like, reckon
2: Leonard had? I bet Leonard had an imposter syndrome as well.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he did. He probably sang a lot of sad songs yeah. about it, but just called it like I don't know, Mary Sue or something. Yeah, <laughs> 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 <By Leonard Cohen. laughs> yeah, some sort of name. <laughs> <laughs> so he thought it was a romantic thing, actually, it was imposter. <laughs> oh dear, old Leonard. Yeah, not that I need man, but I'm. I, I just love
3: that. That's a
2: beautiful that. quote. That is, a beautiful it's, quote It's yeah. so true as well. So true. Yeah,
3: yeah. Totally. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. It's um, yeah. there's a lot of strength in also being able to to acknowledge you made a mistake and sort of move on with it. Like if if I'd been that actor, I'd have been the exact opposite. I'd have been like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'd have probably taken on the weight of the error. Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. But it, then done it because it, it is difficult. It is difficult if someone you're doing something you love or you're you're trying hard and someone says can you do it differently like we all do get a little bit inside of like huh no I'm I'm doing you know this is my thing but I think if you if you are able to sort of take that on board that feedback or that constructive criticism Mm. it's always it's never a bad thing You, you always improve the number of times I've gone to write something or do something lost it for whatever reason gone back to it second time is always better third time is always better like it's 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 mad that that revisiting that stuff can actually really help and yeah I guess it's the same with taking back feedback as well it nearly always improves things but you have to be open to it you have to be ready for it
0: yeah you really do have to be open to feedback but then I think what's interesting in my career I found it as an actor that you know you can get some quite interesting sometimes quite intense sometimes quite obsessive people around actors and as an actor when I was starting out particularly I learned that and I you know I'm still learning actually about boundaries effectively Mm. so I think in order to to kind of get and to be open to feedback I think we have to so, when I was starting out as an actor, I was just open to everyone's opinion about me because I thought that would be a good way of pleasing people to make sure that I you know that I was earning my place as an actor, Hello imposter syndrome again. Yeah. And like i was I wanted to to make everyone feel valid, uh, you know, have you know, if they had an opinion on me that that was valid. So, I think, it's this interesting evolution again of like, you know, there's imposter syndrome and then there's definitely a very healthy way of getting feedback. And then there's also the need to create a good boundary. Mm. So there's a lot, it's Mm. kind of always has to be an ongoing process, which I think is why I think some people find, get burnt out. And that could be because you can't like arrive at a destination as a creative person. It's constantly a journey. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: And I think that's partly why I found writing book two, like the first draft of it quite hard, because I thought, oh, I've done it and I'll just do that again. And actually, you can't. You're further down the road. You have mm-hmm. to do something new. And so I think when we start to feel like we have to just arrive, then then we're kind of in a state of stasis, and then
3: that's not a great place to create from. So, yeah. That's so true, yeah. Well, I think,
2: yeah, and a, I think it's important it's in those different. moments to lean on the collaborative sort of side of it as well. You know, like, you know, talk to your editors and your, um, you know, people within the... I think yeah. that that really can help in those moments to actually... And, and that's another thing, I guess, also, like, going back to um, the actor that, you, that was sort of more difficult on set... He, was, he probably didn't, wasn't allowing for that collaboration in a way. And I think that's a really important thing as well in creativity. And people don't always realise that without writing as well, that it, particularly you know, it's quite a solitary thing when you're doing the like first draft or whatever, but then it does yeah. become a very collaborative thing. And I think that's important. And I can imagine with, with acting, it's hugely collaborative, obviously, you know, working with a huge amount of people on a set.
0: Yeah. And that's really, that can be wonderful. But again, that's where Good Boundaries yeah. comes in. Because if you, yeah, it's a bit like then if you invite maybe the wrong people into that kind of inner circle of collaboration, um, it's, it's a funny one because sometimes you know, if, if I'm feeling particularly strong, the guy, like the guy making lunch can, can say something and I'll be like, oh, good idea. And then sometimes, you know, that would be very much like not very good for me. But I found when I, um, I made some short films and I directed them and, and wrote them. And I found that it really helped my, um, beginner's mind kind of attitude because, As a director, you're the sort of filter of everything, but you don't have all the answers because I don't know all the technical stuff. I did discover through trial and error that if you get some of the technical guys who are guys that like to tell, or people, but they were all men um, who like to tell you how much you don't know about something, Mm. then that can be quite, that's like a toxic Mm. influence in the kind of creative circle. So um, I think if you're gonna, I I love the kind of, a notion of beginner's mind where you where you're sort of curious and open and learning and and therefore you don't have to be an expert um because yeah. you're learning about what you're creating as you're doing it but then at the same time it's a bit like you need to have good teachers and good collaborators so
3: but that yeah. comes back to what we said earlier and it's almost like I planned it and nothing is ever planned on this podcast. Is it but um, football? it's not actually no. First I will make time. it about football in about in about ninety seconds. <laughs> Don't worry, I will get well, I, I will like, get oh. to football. Yeah. Um, it's, it's I guess that's instinct as well and sort of gut feeling as to who you can have those boundaries with and who you can trust so i will happily take feedback from people that i really trust and Mm. and i know and i want that person's opinion because i respect what they do i think they're brilliant i know they're Mm. going to give this feedback in a sort of helpful kind of way so you can have Mm. and that is often gut and instinct as well as to who to let it come from
1: um
3: and as you say and then that sort of like you've got those boundaries as to then people you don't and 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 you know you get it on social media some people will Give you feedback or something you think well i don't care what you think i don't respect <laughs> yeah. your opinion so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let it affect me and take me on with this other person i do respect, respect what they say so i'm gonna you know give them sort of more credence and stuff but i guess that yeah. again comes back to instinct and, and gut
0: totally and that is a weird thing about for us as creative people having this like this think tank of very much unwanted feedback from twitter <laughs> yeah. and some of it's amazing and lovely but then some of it is like fuck you from Catman69 yeah. or whatever. It's like, yeah. nice. um, no. Sorry if there was anyone
2: called Bloody Catman69. <laughs> there, there is, there is. will be,
0: yeah. Uh, um, fuck you right yeah. back, sir. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that element is, that's why I think uh, social media is tricky for creative people because I think we do need to have that feedback from the, our trusted mm. people, but then there is this kind of shouty mob often of people <laughs> But you know, we can always we can always do the day without technology. Tell me more about I, this. I, I yeah, really tell me you really want to training
2: that. Though. Like, that sounds fascinating.
0: It's great. It's um, it's basically about herb. You, we're learning about herbs and herbalism, and and some of the people on the course are actually becoming herbalists, and some of the people like me are kind of just really interested in. Um, making you know growing and making herbal teas Mm. and stuff yes it's a 10 month course and it's over zoom and the teachers in california and um i think again like i was talking about beginner's mind for me learning new things is a really wonderful way of just kind of relaxing out of that imposter, perfectionist kind of headspace and just going, oh, I'm new at this. Like, I don't need to know anything. I'm here to learn and I'm curious. But yeah, I've got myself a little herbal tea. Have right What actually. have you got?
3: And, um, oh, fantastic.
0: Well, let me, that's the sound of the mm. teapot opening. Um, this has got lime flower blossom, which oh, is excellent. Nice. And motherwort, which is um, a very soothing kind of anti-anxiety um, herb. Nice. Very
2: good. Yeah. Um, and a bit of hibiscus. So, yeah. That sounds amazing. Nice. And that it's kind and of they a, a, are, a are nice. they all from your garden?
0: No, some of them I've been growing lemon. Oh, balm. we've got loads if of that in our wants...
2: garden. Loads of it. Yeah. So you? Do you do? Yeah, it? sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Use it in recipes. So as well. It's we've just got it's gone a bit mad actually. Our lemon balm is everywhere. <laughs>
4: Well, that's yeah.
0: great that's amazing you need to cut that before it flowers and
4: dry okay. it.
0: okay hang it up in you know somewhere dry and like an airing hmm. cupboard um and then and then you've got dry tea for like a whole year. It's so good.
3: Oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to do that today. We need to do like a, a herbal tea spin-off <laughs> episode. That would be amazing. Oh my
0: God, yes. That is so good.
3: <laughs> I'd love to grow that stuff in our garden. We, we're we having our sort of garden sort of, sort of redone. We've got a cabin put at the back, which oh, could nice. become like our office. But we did have like a whole vegetable patch thing in the middle. That's gone. But I think uh-huh. it's gonna move to the side possibly. So I might I might campaign well, herbs
2: to get it. Are, from... are, are, are fairly easy to grow actually. Have a little herb garden. Mm. Um we've got yeah, we've got one out the front out the back rather. But I mean lavender, we do mm. loads of we've got loads of French lavender and um mm. my wife makes like herb like lavender warmers and things. Um so at Christmas oh, we sweet. we dry out the lavender and then she she put with rice oh. and stuff and makes these lavender warmers which are very lovely and comforting and the smell is amazing.
4: Yeah, that's amazing. Lavender
2: is such a lovely oh, thing.
0: So it's gorgeous lavender, and yeah, lavender and lemon balm actually that makes a great tea mixed together. Okay,
2: I'm on it today. Very I'm going because we've got some dried lavender because we've been drying it in the next. So I'm pointing towards it here is where our is <laughs> a room with our boiler in it, and that's really good and dry. Oh, perfect. So yeah, so we dry yeah. stuff in there. But
0: you can do the lemon balm as well, and also nettles. Like um this is what I love about. About mother nature is that in spring like all the nettles mm. and things come up and those are really good cleansing tonics so in springtime our bodies have been you know like through winter where we've been eating you know loads of roots and stuff and then we have a cleansing then nature basically provides nettles which are very cleansing for the system so ah uh, it's all a great circle of life yeah. Poor, if old, into it more.
3: yeah poor old nettles nettles get such a bad pr don't they nettles but i
0: know but they're amazing poor
3: actually. guys who's doing their pr so someone, someone needs to work, <laughs> out. Someone needs to work right? on that
0: yeah
2: have you always been out. into
3: gardening is that
0: a
2: new thing? thing
0: no i've always been actually so i went to university then i had to as i mentioned rehabilitate myself to read books for pleasure and then a few years after that I was already acting um I was acting from the time I was at school but I had a sort of fallow period um after university and I went to a garden design I studied garden design for a year and agricultural college yeah and it was so great because again beginner's mind didn't know how to do any of it and actually it gave me so much joy so gardening often gives me a massive amount of joy especially this year just gone you know it's been
2: yeah very strange i spoke to a lady recently called sue Stuart smith and she wrote a book called the well garden mind um she's a psychologist well well worth getting and it's all about using the garden for for good mental health basically um and how much that sounds amazing yeah it's, it's a it's a brilliant book she's a brilliant person actually and um yeah, her, her husband's a garden designer, and so she kind of got into it wow. through that. And um, I think he's he's been at um, Chelsea a few times. And then, has yeah, he? and then... Um, Stuart, Stuart Smith, you Smith yeah. Yeah, Tom Stuart, Stuart Smith, Smith, yeah. So it's his wife, so, yeah, so she's written this book, amazing. and it's all about, yeah, it's all about, um, yeah, rediscovering nature and then, and how nature, mm. how much of an impact it has. I mean, there's studies, like, with... Um, Prisoners who work on pr- in prison mm. gardens don't reoffend, oh. and and wow. and people. They did a study in the seventies, I think it was, where they did. There was a, a, a load of guys had gallbladder operations, and they put some of them by uh-huh. a window ne- near a garden, and then others like next to kind of a brick wall. And the guys that would could see the garden, they they left mm. hospital like seven days earlier than the other guys. So it's just like these kind of amazing yeah. things that, 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 that nature does to, to our to our bodies and our, our psyches, I think. Yeah.
0: That is amazing. And I would say, like, a great combat to imposter syndrome is, like, grow your own yeah. mm. radishes or something. Cress. Grow some lemon balm or some mint yeah. cress.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, a great, probably for me, the greatest um, antidote to imposter syndrome is growing something myself because you you know you could get a piece of mint from the supermarket like in a in a plastic thing cut the top off it the top little leaves stick it in a thing of water in just a in a cup of water on the window so it will start to grow roots put that in the ground in spring and you will or in a pot if you don't have a bit of earth and you'll be growing your own fresh mint tea and that is an amazing antidote to imposter syndrome mm. because you just kind of I think maybe it's I'm sure the book is uh, sheds mm. a lot of light on it, but I feel like being part of tending to something helps us tend to ourselves yeah, definitely
3: yeah. yeah, and also you can see you can see the fruits literally fruits of your yeah. labour and what you're you've done, you've got this tangible evidence that you've made this thing happen. Yeah, when, when we had our vegetable patch, like the 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 sense of reward of like eating potatoes that came from our garden oh, or eating tomatoes, was amazing. Ever, aren't they? It's so yeah. yeah, we did this like, and it's, it's it's very simple, but and you you know, like Giles said, yeah, it's almost like the the um the the answers to life's questions are literally on our doorstep, or on, you know, they're they're out there, like all these things yeah. that can help us are totally. there. Even just looking at it, that study of the prisoners is fascinating. Just looking That's at amazing. this stuff can can help heal us so yeah,
0: yeah. oh i love it yeah, and it can also help us heal like nettles for example contain a lot of chlorophyll and chlorophyll is like very very similar in its in its um kind of the co- the compound makeup it's very similar to human blood so um oh. it's like very so we are so much closer to nature than i think we think and we've become a bit yeah. separated from it And even the things that we get, you know, that even the wisdom that we kind of, that's right in front of our eyes, like the darkness that we need, like we were talking about earlier, that's part, a huge part of, of the circle of the year. And I think without the darkness, it would be, it would be a nightmare. Mm. So I think we, we have such. Wisdom, kind of at our disposal for free, like as you say, on our doorstep. Yeah, and yeah, I I think that that's yeah, very. It's been very, very eye opening and healing for me this year yeah. to kind of get more in touch with that.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna get out in the garden. I, I mean, I feel incredibly grateful that I have a garden. Like that's been one yeah, of the things during true. lockdown the like I'm so lucky I can get out there and I live in a nice part of the world. I can go for a run around the corner and it's all fields and um, like. Very, very lucky, but I'm going to... I mean, it is mm-hmm. raining, actually, I'll be honest, at the moment, so I probably <laughs> oh, it's blissful sunshine it down here on the afternoon. south coast. Yeah. So you always
0: have Wait, nice are you south Yeah, east? so I live
2: in the, uh, Seaford in East Sussex.
0: Oh, no, that's where my boyfriend really? lives.
2: Yeah. Wow, that's what so a good. small world. Good old Seaford. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I love the uh, ho- the, um, the ice cream place. Oh, it's holy so good. cow.
2: So oh, good. Cow, Yeah. Well, next time you're in town and we can, like, hang out, Let's get, grab a coffee at Backer's Coffee Bar. That'd be
0: lovely. From, yeah, yeah. from Backer's. Oh, my God, he goes there all
2: yeah, the time. Backers that's his favourite. Joel's talking about Backer's. Oh I went God, for a walk every with every episode, the yeah. owner the other day. We went for a walk. He got me a coffee. Yeah. Did
0: you? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. Barney's always chatting yeah.
2: to him. Oh, it's such a small world, isn't it? Because you're from East Sussex originally, yeah. aren't you? You're Hatewood Heath. Uh, yeah, my parents yeah.
0: are, yeah, north of North of Lewis. So, Yeah. Oh wow, that's really
2: funny! Oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I've lived here all <laughs> my oh, life. So yeah, yeah. Are you? Born and bred. Oh my yeah.
4: gosh! <laughs> Love it down Yeah, it's there. a beautiful
2: town. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the world.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, well, we'll definitely go to Bacchus or oh, the Pancake oh, guy. Oh, the Crack guy. He's guy. got.
2: He's got a place on the. So he's got a place on the seafront. Yeah, the sea but bar. he's he's also got another place near the salts as well. So. He's got two, two places yeah. yeah, the crepes are great. So awesome. good.
4: I'm <laughs> I've been,
3: jealous. Well, I've been down to visit Charles a couple of times to see, but he's never taken me to Backers, to the crepe guy. Well, we can do a little to tour, holy man. Cow. Like, we
2: can do Holy Cow. They do, uh, like, ho- mm. it's so good. They do, like, it's all bespoke oh. homemade ice creams. Oh, amazing. So, so amazing.
0: Good. I had an amazing peach uh, one. Oh,
2: there's, God. like, flavours you think, nah, I don't think that would be very nice. And then you eat it and you think, that's the best ice cream I've ever eaten. Oh, amazing. Yeah,
0: and also I got like ice cream FOMO when I, you know, like <laughs> when you order one and then you're like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: there's
0: one that I've like got a plan to come back and revisit. <laughs> the cider one sounds amazing. Yeah,
3: there's so many. But just the, just the idea of like meeting other people and like having oh, no. a coffee or having ice cream is like blowing my mind right now because it's just right. been so long that we're not been able to. So just the idea, these simple things. Yeah, I just can't wait. It's
0: a bit overwhelming. I've forgotten how to behave in front of oh, us people yeah. a bit. I,
3: yeah,
0: mm. um, yeah. I I zoomed with someone that I'd never met before the other day, and I literally sang them out, and then, <laughs> understandably, they just like left the Zoom meeting. But um, <laughs> and I don't do that. Like I'm not. Well, now singer. we
3: know how we have to what, end this. What episode. was the song?
0: Yeah. <laughs> It was um, it was somewhere from West Side Story. Oh, quite poignant. Oh, wow. Well, I was just because it was like this conversation of like, when are we? When's ever anyone ever going to meet anyone again? And I just embarrassed myself massively there. So. That sounds amazing thanks thanks yeah, it was not very cheap so I don't blame
2: them for leaving well Tamsin it's been uh, honestly it's been an absolute joy to talk to you today thank you so much for giving it's us your lovely. time yeah, it really and has. definitely next thank time you're man. in Seaford let's grab a coffee from Backers and an ice cream from Holy Cow and the crepes from the crepe man <laughs> amazing um, that's a three of <laughs> <real> right there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah if you, no, no please amazing. do yeah, do please let me know and um, yeah we, we'll go for a on the beach but yeah it's been so lovely talking yeah. to you today um, I'm going to spring this on you we always at the end of the podcast ask our guests (laughs) if they could if they've got any advice for our listeners on how to get through a blank moment so obviously we've talked about various different difficult moments you might have had during the during your career so if you've got any sort of Mm -hmm. little bits of advice or um, a tip for getting through a blank moment or a difficult moment
0: okay a blank moment I think the main thing for me is not to run away from it. Hmm. I think that we maybe all need to be with the silence a bit more and to be with the darkness a bit more. So I would say, if you're having a blank moment where the answer's not coming or you're not feeling inspired, um, make a cup of herbal tea, honestly.
4: (laughs) Yes, yeah.
0: And and sit with it. Um, And yeah, I, I think don't run away from it, but don't let it take up so much space that you don't feel you mm. can breathe.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, try to breathe through it and try to listen to your instincts that come up. Um, yeah, I'd say that. I think that's what I tend to do in my big blank moments and my small ones. Um, and I think that often, if i'm bored or frustrated and i and i and i kind of have a bit of staying power with, with that something way better than what i could have imagined might come up yeah. to fill that space but if i hadn't allowed myself to be a bit bored be a bit frustrated and made myself stick with it then that probably wouldn't have come up yeah. so yeah so try and see it through but be kind to yourself while doing that don't berate yourself for for that blankness,
3: and, and what would be the perfect blend for a blank moment?
0: Ooh, the perfect the crest, um, herbal blend. Yes. Ooh. Well, I would say lemon balm because that is uh, uplifting to the heart and um, soothing to the anxiety as well. Okay,
4: I'm right um,
0: on. probably, possibly some lime flower,
4: yeah.
0: which isn't like the flower of a lime, like a lemon. It's um, linden it's a linden thing so it's an old european it's a very beautiful tree uh you can get all of these at the someone like neil's yard as well so lemon balm linden and probably a third maybe a bit of oat straw
4: Ooh, okay nice.
2: lovely
0: a mm. bit of oat straw
2: i've written it out that's the recipe the recipe <laughs> for a blank moment we that's perfect
3: a, there you go yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's <Yeah>. amazing <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try that I'm actually going to try that next time I have a blank moment and um, yeah maybe we've just uh, we discovered mean. the secret to... well, that, that's <laughs> the end moment. of the podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it last episode <laughs>
4: <We've
3: queued laughs> oh no this.
4: <laughs> no that's funny
2: thank you so much no it's brilliant. been brilliant to talk to you thank you so much.
0: oh it's been so great you guys um, it's been lovely and thank good luck you. with the next book really, thanks for having me Thanks. I mean I'm I'll fill yeah. you in over a coffee packets. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. You're Thank you so you easy you're so easy to talk to. That was just absolutely that flew by. So, yeah. <laughs> Merchant on the blank podcast, actor, author, I mean, an incredible gardener, gardener, herbalist, a very talented person, a very thoughtful person, and some great advice in there, some lovely quotes, and just an incredibly pleasant person to spend an hour talking to. So, thank you, Tamden. And I have got here in my book, I've written down the blank, the official blank pod blend lemon balm, lime flower, slash linden. I need to. I need to research what that is, and oat straw. So amazing. If you are someone who has access to those those herbs, then let us know what you think of that. And I love the idea the idea that people can listen to our podcast by sipping the official blank uh, blend. That's amazing. Well, I'm wondering, Jim,
2: whether we should try and create the blank blend. And when we get our shit together, <laughs> and we've got a Patreon. Yes, we could maybe supply some of the blank blend to our most favorite friends and supporters. Well,
3: we do because some patron podcasts on their patron have merchandise available and it's normally a mug, so we could send out a blank mug with the blank blend in there. I think that's a great idea.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
3: All right, we'll make it happen. Bear with us while we work on our patron. That is something I know throughout this episode you've already heard us talk about our merchandise and our book we are also going to work on a patron Um, because i know that like people like um they like sort of getting a bit more from their podcasts and um sort of investing in it a bit and helping out and getting some rewards so i already do a patron with my other palace podcast and it's been really successful so we are going to do it for this one but please do bear with us because um (laughs) we don't know what we're doing but we're going to work it
2: out yeah. I should also say Jin, um a big shout out this week to and we'll we'll shout her out on 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 other podcasts as well. It's the amazing Jean Blakely. You can see her on Twitter at jeanblakely1. Jean has very kindly um transcribed some of our episodes uh for the hard of hearing and the deaf community. Um so they can enjoy our episodes. So she's done that for us and um that's what she does for a living. She's, you know, if you if you need work transcribing, she um, you can go to her website it's blakely.org.uk and um, she's very kindly done some for us um, she's a fan of the podcast and um, she's fantastic human and individual and um, definitely check out her work and um, yeah we've we've put a um, uh, so yeah you can check out her work and um, we've put a link to the transcribed um first episode we've had transcribed which is Lou Faroo will be on our Instagram page you can go and click through from there and obviously we'll be putting posts up on all social media so you can check that out so if you know anyone who might like to listen or rather would like to read that episode uh, a transcription of it of the full episode then it's there
3: and available for you yeah we oh, massive massive thanks to Gene for doing that because that is no small undertaking no uh, you know, these are long episodes but um that is going to be very very helpful for people that would need that sort of thing so thank you very much and yeah it's up on our socials if you want to click through I think it's a Google Doc we're sharing it on so um, yeah yeah, do check that out or pass it on to anyone that you think would, would benefit from that and and massive thanks to Gina for doing that and as you say there'll be a, a few more going up as well so keep an eye out yeah. for that but um, yeah again just the example of the sort of supportive people we have in our community of blank listeners there's, there's some wonderful people out there very selfless people who are doing doing things purely for the fact that it will help other people. And, and we are lucky to be connected to those people through this podcast. So massive thanks to Gene. That is um, that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, thank you so much, Gene. And um, yeah, thank you for doing it. Um, if
2: you'd like to get in touch with us, you can. You can get us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We are available at blankpod.com.
3: And you can also email us with any stories or tips and tricks. Oh yeah, please do tips and tricks would be great. Um, the Blank Podcast twenty eighteen at gmail dot com.
2: Perfect. We're getting that now, aren't
3: we? Yeah, what, was it was one hundred and four pods in. I think we've. Yeah. We just, I mean, we've the listeners don't. I mean, know no one ever emails us, but we I had mean, to set up two tip. email addresses because we both kept getting it wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of them anyway. Um, yeah. no any emails would be lovely. Um, that's it, I think time to wrap up and say goodbye to our listeners so have a great week enjoy your blend let us know what you think about that yes um and stay safe and charles have a good one I'll, i'll see you next week
2: and you jim for another blank podcast
4: Box Media Podcast.